Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place, because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Build Your Network. My name is Eric. I'm Travis's producer. And on today's episode, we are sharing some startup secrets, and we couldn't have picked three better people to give a peek behind the curtain at how they built, funded, and scaled successful startups. First up is Daniel Blue. He's the president of Quest Education, a company that helps entrepreneurs obtain capital for their companies, pay off high interest debt, and use self-directed retirement accounts to invest in alternative assets. Next up is Brian Clayton. He's the co-founder and CEO of GreenPal, otherwise known as the Uber for lawn mowing. He matches homeowners with local lawn mowing services throughout the United States. And before founding GreenPal, Brian founded Peachtree Incorporated, a regional landscaping company in Nashville, Tennessee, growing that business from zero to 150 employees and was ultimately acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. And last but not least is Ravi Abuvala. Ravi is a law school dropout and the founder of Scaling with Systems, a business accelerator that works to bootstrap and scale their clients' businesses, leveraging elimination, automation, and fully trained overseas assistants. In the past 14 months, he scaled two seven-figure businesses with less than $1,000 of his own capital and four commission-based employees. To date, he's worked with over 500 firms around the world and placed close to 600 fully trained virtual assistants for his clients. 
He has been featured in Forbes and Fox News. Hope you guys enjoy the episode. If you do, be sure to screenshot it and tag Travis on Instagram with the handle at Travis Chapel. All right, without further ado, let's get into the episode. Revenue is like the most important driver in all businesses, right? Yep. It's going to get things started. Sure. But what I see a lot of companies do, and I'm just saying this because of experience, is you wing it, right? You're, you're talented in sales. You're relying upon raw talent to get you results, mm-hmm. but it only can get you so far. So because of sales, being able to get on the phone and, and drive revenue and solve problems and help people and then being able to lead others gets us to a point where, okay, I can train other people. I can do this podcast with you right now. And I have a sales team that is driving revenue. Hmm. That, that's that's the step one. Like you have to be able to duplicate yourself, right? Because if everything has to go through you and all of the appointments have to go through you and no revenue can be generated unless you're the one taking the call, like you're only going to be able to scale your business so far. So to, to, for me, I could have gone down the road of getting a degree in business and, and shoot, maybe getting an MBA, getting a degree in, in, in business and management, like it would serve me. But I feel like the degree that I got was sales. Right? Yeah. Right. And, and, and you can't go to school and, and learn how to get hung up on or learn right. how to get yelled at. Right. I mean, you got hung up on or the door slammed in your face and people yelling at you. And then you got to be able to, to, to take that rejection and just start the next door. The next door. Yep. Exactly. And, and, other people would just get demoralized. They don't yeah. teach that in school. So that was my school. Yeah, for sure. I'm hundred percent on board with you there. That's uh, why that's one of the reasons I tell people that I think I, I've seen a quicker path to success with the, uh, the podcast and the online business and coaching and consulting and um, you know, some of the done for you services that we do was just because anytime I wanted to test something out that was new, I didn't have to worry about building a website. I didn't have to worry about marketing it a ton. I didn't have to worry about accounting. I didn't have to worry about profit or I didn't have to worry about anything business-wise. All I had to do was worry about getting on a few phone calls and selling a few people. And if I could sell a few people and deliver a good thing, then I knew I had something. And then I can go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, so now how do I like systemize this? How do I put a process in place that will actually start doing some of these things for me? And, And, but I think having that, ability to just jump in and start selling stuff, whatever it may be, just as long as there's value there, like I can sell it type of a mentality, um, has done, you know, wonders for my business. And it's given, it's, it really, it really, I think bro, it gives me, and, and you can speak into this too. It gives me, um, confidence to go invest more things into my business because I know that at the end of the day, if I took a big risk on something and, uh, you know, say I take several big risks on multiple things at the same time. And I lost all of the money that is in our accounts currently, right? Like I lose everything. I know that tomorrow, starting from zero, I can just fill my schedule with phone calls and sell stuff. Like I know that, so it gives me way more confidence to be able to go out and take those bigger risks because, you know, what's the biggest risk? The biggest risk is like losing some money that I have in my account. Okay, so what? I put it there to begin with. Let me just go do that again. You know what I mean? Like it's just calls for a different season really quick, but it gives me the confidence to be able to like run the business the way that I think it actually should be ran. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with 
Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is uh, the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Yeah, no, I, I, that's why I think the number one skill that you have to have, you know, when you're starting a business is, is the ability to communicate with others and, and sell. But at the same time, it's, it's all mentality. It's all mindset. Like, how can you take rejection? I mean, because that, that's that's hard to teach. So many people yeah. take things personal and let things just fester and they just don't move on. And I just have short term memory. Like yeah. at the end of the day, I just know, just like you said, okay, if I lose everything, like I know I can rely on sales skills. Like yeah. I don't, because you're not selling the product, right? You're selling yourself. Right. You just need to know enough about it to answer some basic questions. But I think the biggest thing that salespeople do that kills deals is they just talk too much. You know, <laughs> they, 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 they try giving way too much information and, and yeah. people, they don't. And, and I hear this from one of my mentors and I, I love the, the analogy is people want the house, not the mortgage, right? Yeah. People, they, they, they want the, 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 the whole drill. They don't want the drill. Like they just want the result. You know, right. like right. they don't really care how it happens, obviously, ethically and morally once, you know, we want it to be done correctly, but right. you know, people just want the result. They, they yeah. want the, 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 the feature, you know, they're not so, uh, uh they, they don't care too much about the, all the benefits. Like, okay, that's fine. But like, what, how's this going to help me today? How's this going to solve my problem? What's in it for me? How's this going to make it faster, easier, better for me? Right. Right. And if you can figure that out, then. Like I said, I think like, well, like you said, you, you'll always have the confidence to be able to go out and get the next deal. Cause like, if you lost all of your employees, if you like made a big thing right now, like, you know, that tomorrow you could just come back to the office by yourself and hop on phones and start closing deals and yep. put, and just pump life back into your business. Yep. And that's, that's all, that's always to me been a, such a great feeling to, to have that confidence behind that. Um, to not have that be up to somebody else, like a business partner or a um, uh, an employee or you know someone like that, because you know at the end of the day, nobody cares about your business as much as you do. So um, you know, got to be able, got to be able to 
to have that confidence. But then also going from there, you know, you got to start, start, start trusting members of your team to, to build out a sales team, to build out operations and do all some of the other things that you guys have done over there. So uh, talk to me about, uh, about that process. What was it like when you realized like, oh man, this is, this is bigger than me. I'm, I'm going to have to start hiring some people. How does that process work? Yeah, I, I think one, one thing that has to be in place first is like the ability to generate sales and duplicate yourself on the sales side and have a sales team. You can wing it to a certain point, right? You can, like you mentioned earlier, sell a few deals and then along the way, figure out how to system, systemize it and, and, and be able to uh, get processes. Um, we got to a point where once we started doing over, you know, seven figures a year in revenue, it's like, okay, you can only wing it so much. Like if we want to hire and really take this to the next level, like we need SOPs. And I know most salespeople are like, F and SOP, like just give me the <laughs> phone, dude. Like, yeah. Let me close this down, right? So I'm going to speaking from experience because I, today I'm a lot better when it comes to organization and operations and systems and processes. Two years ago, like nah, I would have been a little more closed off. I would have been a little more, rigid or you know stubborn in, in my ways yeah um, but for us like we have to make sure that the operations are, are done correctly uh, and I, I really really think it's important that we we let go of because the biggest problem that salespeople have is just letting go of control right we, we want to control everything we, we want to close the deals like we we, we we love that right like we get a high off of a rush off of closing deals and making things happen and, and driving revenue but right. you gotta let your team fail and and that was hard right because there's a deal that you could have closed you could have gotten you know the sale to go through but now you're letting that deal go to someone else on your team and they screw up the deal mm -hmm. doesn't go Right. And you have to go to bed at night knowing you could have got that deal. You could have closed it. And that deal didn't go through because Joe didn't lock it down. Mm. But that's where the, the teaching moment has to come in. That's where yeah. you pull that call and you listen to it with Joe and you say, Hey, here's where you could have said this instead. Right? Like the best way to, 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 to learn is to, to fail, to experience, yeah. you know, like for me, one thing I have to make sure is I'm managing cash flow. Dude, I didn't go to school to learn about QuickBooks and, and you know, business and, sure. and, and all that kind of stuff. Like I had to go through it. I had to look at my bank accounts and be like, Oh dang, I didn't transfer any money or Oh dang, I didn't think about this bill. Like yeah. I had to fail. Right. Same thing with, with your, your sales guys, with your employees, like they, they have to fail, but there's gotta be accountability. There's gotta be training. Yeah. What were some of the biggest lessons that you learned about managing finances? being afraid to look at the numbers, right? <laughs> like I'll look, I love looking at sales numbers, like appointments, closes, you know, sure. close ratio. Like, you know, for us it's dials and talk time because you know, probably for you, like how many doors did you knock on? How many houses mm -hmm. did you see? Right. We always have those, those basic metrics. Right. Yeah. So I was cool looking at those numbers, but taking the time to actually go through the P and L taking mm -hmm. the time to actually look at the expenses. Where did we spend money? How much? What's a budget, right? Sales people are notorious for not having budget. It's yeah, like, for sure. Dude, why do we need a budget? I'll just make more money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's just, that's only going to get you so far. Right. So, well, that's the difference between a salesperson and a business owner. Exactly. Right. So now I carve time out in the mornings. I spend time on the weekends, really, really just looking back at the numbers for the week before doing forecasting, um, you know, making sure I have a good account in and, and a good operations 
uh, you know, person in, in, in my ear to help me with reports, but I'm really taking it upon myself or I log into QuickBooks. I know how to move maneuver around. I know how to look at the P&L. I know how to look at, you know, how much am I spending on payroll? How much am I spending on marketing budget? How much am I spending on, you know, uh, software programs, subscriptions, like, you know, so just having goals and, and, and budgets in place and just spending the time what what you cannot measure you can't improve so how are you expecting to improve you're not measuring your numbers so you obviously had a lot of experience in the landscaping world uh but how much experience did you have in the tech world because it sounds like this was more of a tech build out than a landscaping build out no great question so uh in short, zero, none, zilch. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, underestimated how difficult that was about to be. Yeah. I literally thought when we started the bit, I recruited two co-founders and I thought none of us knew how to code. None of us knew the first thing about designing software or building software. Mm -hmm. And we, we genuinely thought that we could pay a local shop to, to just build it and then we would be done and then we would market it. Yeah. And that was just... No, I mean, it, that was so far off target. <laughs> uh, we spent $120,000 building the first version of this thing. Yeah. And after six months, I think we had like 22 users and like seven of them were my family. <laughs> um, and, you know, fast forward today, we have several hundred thousand that use, that use our platform. But um, so that was really humbling. And what, what we came to learn was when you're building software, it's never finished. You're always... Yeah. iterating on top of what you've got. You're listening to users feedback. You're building out new features. You're fixing problems. You're solving things you didn't even know existed. Mm. And so that, that was a big, big uh, misconception that I had. The other thing was, is just physically like tactically writing code, building software. Uh, my co-founder had to learn how to write code from scratch and, and wow. he, he taught himself how to become a, a backend engineer over about six months period of time. I learned front end uh, software and, and my other co-founder learned system admin stuff. And so we, we kind of retooled, taught ourselves from, from the ground up and built the second version in house. And then we've, we've, we've just been able to hit the ground running ever since. Now we have 23 people that work for the company, software engineers and, and designers. All so in house. All in house. Yeah. Wow. And so we're able to execute these things, but we wouldn't have been able to even get to this point if we had not have, reinvented ourselves as, as entrepreneurs to sure. become tech entrepreneurs. Yeah. Props to you for even being, being willing to do that, to take that pivot at, at that point in your career. We're, we're, have you guys taken on funding at this we point? Have, so just taking a page out of my first playbook, we have, we have bootstrapped this thing and self-funded it the entire way. We, wow. we get uh, two or three emails from interested investors, venture capitalists every month. And we had kindly tell them we're, we're, we're not going to be taking on any outside capital. Uh, it, for me, and the reason is, is I'm not totally anti-venture capital. You know, if you look on your phone, you know, odds are every app on that home screen was, had, took on venture capital. So they, sure. you know, venture VC, VC money has built the, every big name you've ever heard of. Right. But for most entrepreneurs, taking on outside capital is a bad bet. Uh, a lot of times you're going to have to scale that business and grow it. Uh, so fast that you're going to go bust doing it. Yeah. And I saw that happen to other, what they call Uber for X businesses. So it could be Uber for home cleaning, Uber mm -hmm. for get your laundry done. Sure. Uber the entire for, industry that came right. off of Uber being successful. Yep. Back in 2014, 2015, 
there was a tidal wave of capital pour into those ideas. And you would read one news article where uh, such such startup raised $15 million. And then six months later, you would read another article that they went out of business. Yeah. And so we always optimized for what we call default alive, which just means no matter what, we're, we're in business. Uh, we have no debt. We're, we're using the revenues to grow. It sucks most of the time because you're going slower than you want to go, but you know that you're default alive. Hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. So how long now have you been in business and what's been the growth trajectory of that business? So started in 2014, really didn't get rolling until probably 2016 because the first two years was, was just us trying to figure out how to build software. Wow. Uh, so two full years of like, basically like a pre-launch essentially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, we, the first version we launched in Nashville where we're based out of, and by, by the end of the year, we had like 112 users. Hmm. Um, and and it, we, we met with every single one of those users that would meet with us so we could understand where we were letting them down, where we were actually solving problems. We used all of that, that feedback to, to continue to improve it. And that's kind of been our ethos all along is, is using user feedback on both sides of the transaction to, to understand if we're building the right things and we're, we're going in the right direction. So when you say you bootstrapped it, are, are you meaning that you only have, like you and your co-founders only used your own money and capital? Or did, is that also mean like you took out maybe like a line of credit or some yeah. loans? Or like, Great question. Because just, so, just for somebody that, because, uh, you know, I'm kind of directing this question to address people who might be listening, who maybe like their first company is a tech company and they didn't have a successful exit recently and they're not sitting on money to be able to just like go for two years without a paycheck while they figure this thing out. Out. Like what, like, you know, does that make sense? Like what, what would you recommend to somebody in that situation? Yeah. If you, if you would tell them to try not to take on venture capital, how do they, you know, pay their bills and, and live? The way we did it, uh, we, we took on a line of credit. Luckily my two co-founders and I had good personal credit. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we were personally liable for this, but it was in the business's name for, we took on a line of credit for $90,000. Okay. And that got us through the first year and nobody took a salary. So my two co-founders worked, still worked their jobs at Dell computer. That's where they were. That's where they were working. And then nights and weekends, we would hustle on this thing. When, when I sold my first company, I effectively became financially independent. I I actually retired and took a few months off and just got bored and got back. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't have the kind of money to throw a million bucks at this thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I I mean, I, I knew that, I knew well, at the end and of the that day, probably wouldn't be the smart move either. Even if you'd like to add the money right. that like, you wouldn't like use, why not use other people's money? To Listen, I, 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 I started my last business weed eating and pulling weeds and picking up cigarette butts and stuff. I didn't want to go back to that. Sure. So like I knew, I knew where I came from and I knew I didn't want to go back there. And so yeah. I, I, I didn't want to leverage all of my personal assets to build a second business. And in many ways that's been a key to our success because we've, we've had to build a profitable business from right. day one. Yep. Yeah. You, the, you can't, you can't bail out the business from your personal finances all the time right. because right. maybe it's just not a viable business. Right. Right. And that discipline is what causes you to, is, is, is causes you to take care of users, take yeah. care of, of people that use the platform on both sides. Cause if you're not doing that on a continual basis, then you won't generate the kind of profit you need to stay in business and grow. Yeah. It, it almost forces innovation and forces 
um, new ideas to create revenue and cash flow and Absolutely. positive customer experience because you can't just you can't just look at your bank account and be like, all right, well, you know, we still got a half a million in there, so let's just keep going. Yeah, you can't way. go blow a hundred grand a week on Facebook ads to get new right. users. Totally. You have to think of ways to leverage the product to go get more users. Yeah, which Love the latter is a lot harder, but it's more sustainable. How much money do you think you spent or invested, I guess would be a better term for it, in between the time that you started your entrepreneurial type journey and the time where you felt like you were actually making decent money? Let's say like a 10K month. How much money did you invest into you know, courses, trainings, or even just ad spend or like a funnel architect or any of those things? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I don't think I've gotten that before. So, you know, I, I, I bought one course for 997. That wasn't didn't really teach me much. But what it did do was it just showed me what was possible. Like, okay, people are going to pay this for this kind of thing. And then that introduced me to that world. In that world, I found another course. That one was for $2,000. That one was a lot more in depth. And really more importantly than that, it gave me access to a community of other entrepreneurs doing the same stuff. And then it was like, I went from like not knowing anybody in this world and like not having any friends because I was doing this thing that was different. I hadn't talked to anybody in a year and a half to now having like Facebook community conversations and these Facebook groups and going live. And like, then I started having traction. People started messaging me. I was like, this is awesome. And then that led to a mastermind I went to in person in about October. October of 2018, which was that was when like the thing started clicking. I started talking to guys there, like all my friends that had been talking online. We finally, hey, you hear about this mastermind? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we ended up meeting in Atlanta, Georgia, and met all my friends there. And then I met some guys doing like sixty thousand dollars a month, eighty thousand dollars, one hundred twenty thousand dollars a month. And I'm like, holy shit! I didn't even know this stuff was even possible. And then you know they're giving me their secrets. I'm like writing down notes there. And then there was a gentleman that was on stage. He was doing about eighty thousand dollars a month. And at lunchtime, I walked up to him and I said, "How much would it take?" for me to pay you in order to get to $50,000 a month. And he gave me a number and I PayPal that to him right there at lunch. And he ended up helping me kind of kickstart that process. And yeah, it's been a hell of a journey since then, for sure. So probably totally like $8,000, I'd say totality between uh, when I started, decided I was gonna be an entrepreneur to when I had my first $10,000 a month. Yeah, and obviously... The big takeaway here from the story for me is the networking aspect, is the fact that when you decided that this new path, this new career or journey was going to be the one that you're going to go down. You didn't just isolate yourself until you figured it out on your own. You showed up to industry events, went to masterminds, you invested in your in yourself in, in courses and stuff like that. And, and, and you were doing all the things that you should be doing to try to figure those things out up to the point where you saw a guy and said, hey, please let me pay you. Please let me pay you so that I can get access to your knowledge because you've clearly figured something out that I haven't figured out yet. And I want access to that. So first off, props to you for even being the person to get out and go to those places. Even that sometimes is a struggle for a lot of other people that are still stuck in that limiting mindset where they're just like, oh, I can't afford the 500 bucks for the plane ticket or whatever it is. And that prevents them from seeing the next level of themselves come out. Because I think the underlying issue is that if you're stuck in that mindset, then you're always going to be stuck at that level of thinking. Like you have to adopt the mindset of the level you're trying to go to before you reach the level that you're trying to go to. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I could not agree at, more. <laughs> yeah, like if you're looking at a flight for 500 bucks, and it's like, oh, this is way too much for me to be able to get out to this event. But your goals are, man, I want to, you know, I want to make a million dollars a year or I want to make $10 million a year. I want to make a half a million. I want to make six figures. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like whatever your goal is, 
your actions have to match up to the level of the goal that you have or to the identity of the person who is capable of reaching that goal. And you think somebody that is making seven figures is going to balk at a $500 flight that could maybe potentially allow them to 10x their business or double their business or increase their business by 20% even. Like 500 bucks is such an insignificant amount of money and yet it becomes an obstacle for a lot of people because they buy into that limiting belief that they're not there yet and they'll wait for some future date where this abstract thing is going to happen and they'll be able to make it happen somehow, you know? I could not agree more. On top of that, I'll even say to your credit, what you just said about the networking, the first client I ever got was literally six months into the entrepreneurship journey. And it was just because I was about to just go back to law school. But the problem was nobody knew what I was doing. I was so afraid of telling people that I was an entrepreneur because like, like we had said, I was like supposed to be this law school person. And then I was an entrepreneur. And then what if the entrepreneurship thing failed? And then everyone thought that, oh, you know, he failed on entrepreneurship. Now he's going back to law school because he couldn't do entrepreneurship. And it wasn't until one day I was just like, you know what, this is it. I'm going to post on my social media, one of my testimonials from my only client that I have and just like put it out to my network and just see what happens, right? And I remember posting it and being so afraid of what my friends and family and everyone would thought. And then I remember coming back from this run after I posted it and I had like, I actually literally just pulled it up 10 minutes from the show because I'm creating this new piece of content on it. And I had like 80 comments on it and like 120 likes and I ended up getting all these, love you, I didn't know you were in digital marketing. I didn't know you were lead generation. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, can you help me? And we ended up just snowballing at that point into so much growth and it was because I didn't even tell anybody what I was doing. So no one could even help me in the first place for my personal network. And then yeah, I could not agree more. Like anybody that's making any significant amount of money that you want to learn from, you're not going to be able to really learn from them for free. It's going to be really impossible, right? Because they don't have any time as it is already. And so yeah, that's why, you know, I see it's a scam. All the people say coaching programs and these things are a scam. And those are the same people that don't ever get there. And I do understand that money can be tight. But you just have to understand as well that like, even if it's not the information or the knowledge that you're paying for, for coaching programs, or masterminds, whatever it is, just number one, proximity, I think is huge, absolutely huge in networking events. Uh, and then number two, like just talking to someone like I did, who can totally transform your entire life or meeting somebody there that you can start a business with, get right. some piece of advice from whatever it is, you're not going to get that, you know, at the bar or the club down the road, so which are probably spending $500 a month on the drinks every month anyway, right? Exactly. Yeah. For me, man, people that cry scam are usually the people that are in it for the short term. They see big success, they see big lights and they're like, oh, I'll invest five grand into this program or 10 grand into this program or 500 bucks into this program, whatever the price point is, right? And they, they get into it and then they see all the hard work and years of sacrifice and hours and money that people pour into this thing and they realize they're like, oh, I don't want to go down this path. But then they just cry scam and, and, and blame it on somebody else because they're not willing to put in the work. That's typically the type of person, I'm not saying that happens every time and are there scam artists? Yes, there are. And should you be careful? Yes, you should because... Some people sell expensive programs and don't deliver anything. I totally get all of that. But for me, I feel like I've been not scammed out of money, but definitely paid too much for certain things along my journey over the last few years. And um, and I've probably wasted tens of thousands of dollars that I could have kept. But for me, it's really about the fact that whenever I invest a portion of money into myself, it's another bet on me. It's another thing that changes in my mindset and the things that I believe about myself to be true. Every time I make an investment, regardless of if that, in, that particular investment actually works out or does what it was supposed to do, it's just another thing that I can put up and just say, you know what, like I'm in this to win this. You know what I mean? I'm not just going to be a flash in the pan. I'm not just trying to find some small level of short-term success. Like 
I will be doing this until I figure it out. And if that's the end game, that's the end game. And a five, dollars $20,000 price point shouldn't be something that prevents me from trying to achieve those things I'm trying to achieve because the bigger picture is so much bigger than that. And in the grand scheme of things, like $25,000, is it a lot of money intrinsically? Sure. But comparatively to the, what I need to live the rest of my life, it's like, one one thousandth of that, <laughs> like one, one, whatever the math is on that, right? So people think about their money in these short term uh, type of terms instead of looking at it in the big picture of life. Like, hey, I have something. I know that I want to make X amount of dollars to be able to live the life that I want to be able to live. Like twenty five grand, that's like a few months Nothing. of bills. Like it doesn't even doesn't even get me a full year out of it. You know what I mean? So I think people have that tendency to be super fearful and let that control them. And then they get burned once and they're like, that's it. I'm done. I'll yeah, I'm out. Again. I'm not doing it anymore. And that's so well said. And like on top of all of that, like as long as you know, like the cool thing about what you just said is you're betting on yourself. So as long as you really trust in yourself, then you'll be fine. And even in addition to that, as long as you look to pull something from every experience, you will, right? So like I lost $35,000 in the beginning of 2019 investing into this Amazon automation business that I thought was going to help me out, right? And it sounded too good to be true, but I was like, you know, whatever, I got money to, to burn. Let's just try to invest. And if it works out, it'll be great. And I knew somebody else that it was working out for and ended up losing $35,000 doing that. I mean, just absolutely ran away with it. It didn't see one return on investment, $1 from it. But instead of like a scam and never investing into anything ever again, I was like, really, that that's on me for thinking that I was going to have this like all done for you. My lesson from that was if it sounds too good to be true, there's a good chance that it really is too good to be true. And so there's plenty. I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in the past two and a half years, some of it turning fruitful, some of it not. I've spent $35,000, got $0 back. I've spent $1,000 and made millions from that $1,000 thing. So I think the more important aspect of all of that is like, you know, you just got to keep on going at bat there and just like keep on reinvesting back in because eventually it will hit. But if like you have that 35,000 and I just was like, I'm not investing any more money, whatever. Then the next time an opportunity came and I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. I could just be turning out potentially millions of dollars. So yeah, I think it's important to make school. that distinction. And be back in law school. Yeah. And my law school test was good for five years. So I mean, I, I'm not joking you, Travis. I was like really, really close to being I a bet, lawyer. Uh, I bet because yeah. I had some of those moments <laughs> myself and I didn't have a law school thing to, bat, to, to like fall back on. So I'm sure you were super close to, to uh, jumping back into something like that, bro. No doubt there. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.